well, you know, it's kind of crazy. He said, we spend all year dreading, and then we get to this time of year, and then we're like, we're all excited about it. And once we start going and buying and doing stuff, and we start thinking about helping somebody or, or doing for our families or our kids or our wives or our husbands or our parents or whatever, he said, but what's crazy is the month goes, the holiday's gone, and then you spend the rest of the year paying for what you did in a month. Right? So is, is that being content? Am I alone in the one that spends and has spent way more than I needed to? Uh-uh. No, I'm not. I mean, you know, we've done some crazy stuff in the, in the past, and, you know, you can't even take a break during the rest of the year because you're still paying for Christmas. But not only that, are we content enough throughout the rest of the year that we just don't end up and we're paying for something all the time? I mean, there's a lot to be said. If you're not content, I mean, how much area in your life does the devil have room for? I mean, if you're constantly keeping up with the Joneses or the neighbor next door or whatever you want to call them, are you really content? Are you satisfied? Are you content on where you're at with the Lord? Or the fact that God gave his only begotten son so that we could have life and have life more abundant, is that enough for you? I mean, think about it. I know I can't be by myself. I've let the devil get in my head, and I've pondered about things, you know, over the years, and I thought, you know, is heaven really enough? I mean, is, is, is being somewhere for eternity, do we really, really believe that they're going to heaven and, and not having to worry about all the things that we worry about today, is it really enough? And I think sometimes we, we, we go, ah, you know, it is what it is. And so, again, we need to, we need to focus on what needs to be focused on, and that's, and that's God and, and the life that he'd have us to be. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 32 through 34 says, For all these things the Gentiles seek, for the Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he knows what you need. Don't have to ask. Don't have to worry about it if I'm asking the right question. God knows what I need. God will provide. I mean, how many of us see our neighbor get a, a new $70,000 vehicle, and then we're like, hey, ain't no way I'm going to get that. And then, you know, a year later, you're like, you done got one. <laughs> and then a year later, you're like, what the heck am I doing? I got like three mortgage payments out here. My home, a vehicle, a boat, a toy. I mean, come on now. I mean, we, we all know what they call it. Well, it didn't cost that much. I mean, we know. I mean, again, are we content? What comes when not content? Ulcers, headaches, stress, strife between one another. What happens if we're not content with our husband or our wife? You know what the opposite of that is? 80% of the world today is divorced. That's what it is. Look, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. I've been over there. It's not. It never has been. The icing is no better on that cake than the cake you got at home. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. But again, we need to be careful in what we look and and where we look. Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. So seek God first. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you ain't got, you could have, you can't have, you don't want. I mean, it's amazing to me how God has been able to curb all my wants. Man, I had a bunch of them. Bunches of them. And I still have wants. But it's amazing how God has helped curb that. You know, being in God's program and and, and following God's statutes helps tremendously. And it's what we talk about as young people because, you know, on Wednesday nights, when they're starting in the world, what's the first thing they want? They want everything Daddy got, but they want it now. But no different when I got out of school. I don't know how he got that. So what I do, I go, I get it. The next thing you know, I can't move out the house because I ain't got no money. The reason I ain't got no money because I had to have 14 vehicles and a motorcycle. And, you know, and I had to keep up with stuff. I had to go on vacation. How many people do we know that actually need a vacation at 20? I mean, you've been on a vacation for 20 years. 
Where's some of these young folk at? I know. I know it. I'm going to make her look at this again. But, I mean, that's the thing we talk about. I mean, in our class on Wednesday night, everybody in there has been somewhere three times the amount of time that me and my wife been somewhere. No, I guess it's so stressful. It's so stressful. Got school, got work. So stressful. I said, where y'all live at? Uh, we live at home. So y'all, so y'all pay the mortgage, y'all pay the power bill, grocery bill. Well, you know, I had to pay my car payment. Really? Man, that's amazing. I bet the next car you buy is not going to be like the first one you bought, right? Huh? So again, I mean, all this is funny, but this is serious business. I mean, it's taken me 20 years to figure some of this stuff out, and I'm still working on it. But I look back at all the anguish, all the strife, all, all the, the different ways I gave the devil place in my life. And I, and I couldn't, and I shouldn't have. Verse 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient, um, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Let God do what God does. I mean, you have to be good stewards. But if you're having issues, being content in where you're at. I mean, there's several things we can do. One, we can surround ourselves with like-minded people. How many, how many of us has got those folks that's always talking about buying something and trying to con you in and, and want you to buy stuff? You know, guns, motorcycles, gloves, bats, I mean, whatever, basketballs. How many basketballs you need? Huh? I mean, if we put them dudes in the house, they'll last a little while, right? But if you look out there in the yard today and it's out in the yard, it's not going to last long, right? So how many of y'all got your toys outside? Are you basketball outside? Uh-huh. If you're lucky, you get it in the garage where it's at least in the dry, right? And that's good enough? But that's not good enough. You know, the weather, the different temperatures, all that. But again, we have to learn what we need to be content with. I mean, it's, it's something. So Philippians 4, uh, 13, who knows what that says? Cody? Luke? Sidney? Cole? You know what it says? What about you, Luke? Right? Kill it out there. You ain't got to be exactly accurate. But. All right, so if you look at that verse right before that, it's really talking about what we use that for. It's not talking about how good I can be at football. Can I be all-state? Can I get a scholarship playing softball, basketball? I'm, I'm the greatest. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about if you read that verse before that and, and you need to go home today and read it and remind yourself it's talking about being content. But it takes Christ. It takes Christ being in your heart to be able to search that truth out. To help straighten your path. To keep you out of the ditch. That's what the verse is really about. It's really about how we live life. Not about all the accomplishments. Now God will help you do all these things. I mean, he says, I'll give you all you need. But again, we have to find out what our center is. Be content. With Christ. Amen. So, you see, I got my, my mic on again this morning. Jimbo told me, he said, you know, you're just going to take that off. I said, negative. I was up here for about 10 minutes this morning, and I jumped around, twirled around, did a couple of flips, I think, to try to see if this thing was going to do it. Didn't do nothing. So I told it it had to behave today. So we're going, we're not going to have any technical issues this morning. Amen. It's good. To, again, I know you all have heard it from others, but it's good to see everybody. Glad you all are here. We get to come out and get out from the rain. And you might have got wet getting in here, but guess what? It's dry inside, ain't it? You got to worry about it. I want to thank Daddy for singing that song this morning. He done a really good job. Appreciate it. <coughs> um. First off, Ariana wanted me to tell everybody thank you for everything last week. 
she made it for those that didn't look on Facebook. She's, she is in Okinawa with her husband. Um, we talked to her this morning. She said, tell everybody she's doing good. She said it's 70, 75 degrees all year round. Like I was talking last week about being the weather that we'd all want. She's in it right now. I don't think she took a long sleeve shirt with her. So, um, so yeah, she ain't got to worry about none of this other mess. She's just got, she's got hurricanes and typhoons to worry about from time to time. But we'll be praying against those for sure. But she is doing good. Trevor's doing good. Took a little longer to make it over there, but end result was the same. She made it there safely, and that's what we prayed for. So y'all just remember and keep her and Trevor in your prayer as they learning how to live together now. They get to do that. So we all know how fun that's going to be for them. Um, so we just pray that God will, God will work in their marriage and in their lives for sure. Um, I don't know of any other any other announcements this morning, so we'll just go ahead and receive our offering. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Do want to thank just Seth. She ain't in here. So I'll, I'll give Wayne the uh, credit for it then, all right? So thank you, Wayne, for allowing just Seth to come down here and decorate the uh, the outside. She put the lights up outside. She always does a good job. So everybody that's decorated, we told you before, thank you all for everything that, that you do and, and the hard work. And so it looks great. place looks wonderful this morning. Um, couple prayer requests, and some, a lot of you in here would remember them. Um, the uh, Marquita Vincent, it's Brother Wayne, Sister Connie's niece. Um, she, she uh, do what? And Charles' cousin. She's got family all in here. She does, yeah. So um, Marquita was in a wreck Wednesday evening after or about church time um, up there between Lake On and Vinemont. And she ended up dying. But um, she had come here when she was younger for years. I think she was probably 10, 12 years old when she started coming here. And she eventually went, started going to Life Point a few years ago up there, off Oil Height Road, across from where Josh and them live. Um, but uh, she's got, a, I think, Sarah's 16, 17, something like that, and her daughter. And she was raising her niece and nephew, which are both teenagers. So it's just... It's a bad situation. You feel bad for the children, especially. Um, it's just um, so we just remember the Vincent family this morning and the Criers and, and all of them that was involved that, that are going to be doing that. If, and if you didn't know and if you knew her, and the, the visitation, I think, is tomorrow night at Peck Funeral Home from 6 to 8. And then they'll have a memorial service the following day, Tuesday at 3. So, um, so anyway, just remember that family in your prayer. We want to be praying for Brent, Barber's brother Elvis. Got him in the hospital. They're getting that poison off his stomach where he can heal like he needs to. And Brent tells us on Wednesday nights that he's already surpassed what they told him he's going to live. So each day, each day that he wakes up, and that's Miss Brenda's brother also, um, each day that he wakes up and it's a new day, it's another miracle from God, another day that, that he wasn't supposed to be here according to doctors, but he is. So remember, remember Elvis Barber this morning. And then... Um, Remember Jenny Jacobs, she goes Thursday for her procedure with the doctor, correct? And then her son Jamie also, that's still in that pain from, from his back and sciatic, and it's sciatic nerve. So, so remember that as we pray this morning. Yes, ma'am. Do what? Did he? I did not know that. So Charlie Rogers, y'all, if you're from Faultful, you run, uh, used to be, it's, yeah, it's the antique store now. But it used to be Charlie's Food Mart um, right there across the road. So I didn't know that. So remember the Rogers family this morning. Anything else before we pray? Okay. Oh, no. Mm. Okay. We sure will. Well, all right. Well, let's just everybody join together in prayer and pray for these as, as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this day and this time together, God, for your love and your mercy and your presence that's already here amongst us this morning. God, your time of praise that we've got to sing to you and, and about you and about how good you are to us and about what you've done for us. And, and we just thank you for all that, Father. And we get to come and give back some of, and show our appreciation to you this morning, gather together here in one accord and in unity. Father, we just bring these needs to you right now. We pray for, 
for the Vincent family and all those that are involved with all this, Father, that you just touch right now. Be with Sarah and Eliza and Braden this morning as they lost their mother and their aunt that they, they all called mother. God, you just touch and move in their hearts and lives. Bring peace and comfort to them right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. God, we pray for the Rogers family. That you touch them with the loss of, of Charlie this morning, God. That you just be with them. Again, comfort them during their time of loss and time of need. God, we pray for them. That you're with the Wynn family this morning, God. We just, uh, um, that you touch and move and when, and with Gabby's, um, stepmother and, and, and God, that you just touch and move in the whole situation with the loss of, of, of Rosalie's husband, God, Frankie, God, that you just touch and, and comfort there. For we thank you for it. We pray and lift up these other needs to you right now. Pray for Miss, Miss Jeannie, that you touch her this morning. God, that you bring healing and help to her right now. The same with Jamie. We pray for Miss Jeannie as she goes Thursday. This will be successful, what the doctors are going to do. And God, that this pain will subside in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for it. We pray for Jacob right now. That you touch him, God, with this abscess that's going on, his health issues. God, your healing hands on him right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray again for this service as we go forward. God, that you use me to speak your word loudly and clearly and that people understand and hear and listen and receive this morning. Open up our hearts and lives. We bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning. God, that you touch and bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, amen. Well, all right. Children can go to children's church this morning. There they go, running off. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And we just love you. Thank you. If y'all didn't hear Miss Brenda, she just wanted to thank everybody for all the prayers and everything that the church done during the time of, of her husband passing. And so y'all just remember her and your prayers through this time of year especially, and, and as we go on, um, we, just, we just continue to pray for you. Thank you. Amen. Well, all right. Well, last week, we started talking about celebrating Jesus, didn't we? That's what we're here for. Not just because it's December, and that's what we do in December and celebrate His birth, but, and not because we're here on Sunday mornings. That's, that's one reason why we're here, but that, we need to do that every day. All seven days of the week, you know, we read last week about how that we should be joyful and joyful celebration through every season of our life. Everything that we go through, good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent, whatever it is, it's just, all right. it's just one pop, Cody. One pop. I'm glad he's on it this morning. Good job. I'm glad he's listening. The last time he was asleep when it messed up. Yeah, he was. So, but... No, it's, where was I at? Thank you. Appreciate it. Joyous celebration in every season of our life. Every one of them. Ups and the downs, rights, wrongs, whatever. We're the same like Pat was talking about. We're content through whatever situation that we're in. We're always joyful and celebrating Jesus because He's what He's done for us, right? And so, you know, we talked about how that, and we mentioned how that the whole Bible points toward Jesus, Starting in the book of Genesis and ends in Revelation and everything's about Jesus. It all points to Him. The Old Testament, you read numerous prophecies where it's talking, the pointing toward Jesus coming. Toward Jesus coming. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in this world, and they, you know, she took the bite of that fruit. We all call it an apple, whatever you want to. She took that bite and pride built up and sin entered the world, right? Her and Adam both. Well, ever since that time, Jesus said, well, I've got to make a way for them to get back to me. Or God said, excuse me. God said, I've got to make a way for them to get back to me. I've got to make a bridge for them to come back across where they can get to me and be in right relationship again. Never like it was on this earth when he created the world, but it's a way we can get back in, in our relationship with him and right standing with him. And so, I mean, he told, what did he tell Eve? He said, your seed will bruise his head, didn't he? 
So his seed, her seed, eventually would be Jesus and gave us the power. And he, we know he bruised Satan's head. He went down and stripped everything away from him and bruised that and brought that and then gave us power to step on him and bruise him ourselves. So you remember that next time the devil comes against you? That where is he at? We consider hell under our feet, right? So we can stomp in faith. And you can do it literally if you want to, if you have to, and jump up and down and say, no devil, you're under my feet. So whatever he puts here, we can take and bring authority over in the name of Jesus because that's what he's given us, because that's what he done. <clears throat> and, and Abraham, he told Abraham, father of all nations. We, we all know the story of Abraham, how that, you know, he was a hundred years old whenever he had Isaac and, and all, everything that went along with it. But in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 15, you can turn there if you want to. We'll start there this morning. Genesis 22 and verse 15. It says in verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings will I bless thee, and multiplying will I multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, and your seed, all nations of the earth, will be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So in his seed, in Abraham's seed, where Jesus come from is in that lineage. And he said, then all of them ought to be numerous as the stars. So we're in that seat also, right? We're as numerous as the stars. You can't count the stars. Everything, you know, that God had promised for Abraham is still promised to us. He says blessings will be on the generations, on the nations. So we're still in that because it's what? The living Word of God, right? It's the living Word of God. It's not a history lesson we're just reading about. It's the living Word of God. And, and so... Those blessings are on us, just like Abraham. But what did he do? He obeyed his voice, didn't he? He obeyed the voice of the Lord. He obeyed and done what he told him to. Because prior to this, he had just tried to offer his son Isaac up. And then we know that the ram was caught in the thicket. And all that that goes along with it. So he obeyed God right up until what he had to do was going to be the most painful thing ever. And he did it. And God said, hold up. There's another way. So he made that he made that way, and that was obeying him. And God said, "Because you've done this, because you're doing this," He said, "I'm going to bless you, and everybody everybody associated you around you, under you that comes after you will be blessed." That's us today. That's us. However many thousands of years ago that was, it's still us today. And and so, if you think that you're not being blessed, guess what? You're still the seed of Abraham because you were born in this world. You're the seed of Abraham. And when you come in right standing with God, guess what? Then you're available to get all those blessings and promises that He promised Abraham because you're in right standing with Him. <clears throat> in the book of Numbers. Anybody ever read the book of Numbers? Anybody ever try to? It's, uh, it is. It is. If you're reading, if you, if you decide you're going to read through the Bible in a year, when you get Leviticus, Numbers, all that, you're like, my goodness. And then you go through the genealogy of everything. You're like, I don't care who begot who or who did what. You know, it gets hard. You, there's people, and I've done it myself. You get to that point, and you're just like, let me just let me skip over to the New Testament part of me reading my Bible in a year and say that I've read that. You know, if you got the Bible app on your phone, you can do that, and you just hit a check mark on there, and it'll just go take you to the next one because you say you've read it, whether you have or not. But it's good to know these things. I don't remember all of them. I don't know. Daddy's been preaching, what, 53 years? Do you remember all the genealogy of everything? <laughs> See, I've heard him try to say names of Old Testament stuff for years, and I don't even try. Not yet. I do some, but it's hard. It's hard, all those names. I don't know why they couldn't name them, just normal names. <laughs> but in Numbers 24 and verse 17, Balaam prophesied about a star, a scepter coming out of Judah. This is all pointing back to Jesus. He said, I see him, but not now. He saw who? He saw Jesus, didn't he? Jesus was there at the beginning, just like we said. Jesus, we don't pray to a baby in a manger. We don't pray to those saints. We pray to Jesus because he's almighty God. He said, I behold him, but not near. He's coming. He said, a star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy the son of Tulemah. So he's saying that these things will come. These things will come. 
And all these things lined up. We're going to read several places in the Old Testament about the prophecies of Jesus coming, about celebrating Jesus, about celebrating his birth. Because without his birth on this earth, and we're going to talk more next week about it for sure, without his birth that we celebrate, and that, that he came and, and, and was born like he was, then without his birth there couldn't have been a sinless life, could there? Without his sinless life, there could have been him down on the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins, which is what God put in place when Adam and Eve sinned, was that sacrifice. And it took thousands of years for it to get there, but it got here, didn't it? It got there. It got there over 2,000 years ago is when Jesus was born. And, and so he said, he said, I see him now. I see him now. This was, I don't know, 4,000 years ago, we could probably just say in the book of Numbers. That's a long time ago. And that was 2,000 or more years before Jesus came. But he saw him then, didn't he? He saw him then. He saw Jesus, but he said he's coming, but he's not now. He's coming, but he's not now. And, and so from that point on, as we read and it talks about Jesus coming, it describes him as this king that's just going to rule and reign over the whole world. And so I'm sure in their minds, just like ours today, with all the superhero movies that we've watched, if there were, if we was, if, if it was today Jesus was coming, and it had been prophesied for thousands of years, and told about, our minds would not picture a baby born in a manger. Our minds would go to somebody coming from this planet, somebody coming down as a full grown man already, you know, riding that stallion, you know, able, back then, you know, they, they had knights, they had people on horses, they were good with swords, do all this other stuff, they didn't have all the stuff we have today. So I am sure in their minds then, just as our minds now, if you think about it, it was a superhero they wanted, right? It was somebody they wanted to come down and go ahead and just wipe all these people out that are, that are bringing them oppression and, and, and putting them in slavery and doing all these things and coming out and, and just, just annihilating everybody. Not able to be destroyed whatsoever because he was that good. And if we, if we look, that's what all the superhero movies are about today, right? You can't, you can't kill them. You know, they, they put all these superhero movies out and the infinity and I don't, I don't remember all the names of them. I watched some of them, but you know, the normal ones come to mind. Batman, Superman, all those that they never die, do they? And when they do die in these movies, then there's another one. Well, this was before this time. And then this one. So they, they never die because they're superheroes. Superman's, he got kryptonite. We know that. That's his only weakness. But, you know, back in the day, whenever the Superman movie was out, when I was growing up, he still overcame that kryptonite, didn't he? They never, they tried to overtake him. And so, you know, they wanted that. And if it was today in our time, we would want that also. We would want somebody to come in right now, swoop down, take care of all the evil in the world, and we'll all be fine. That's what we would want. And that's where our mind goes to when we think of these things. And the way Jesus, the way this coming king was propped up, I can understand. If we read on in, in the book of Isaiah, well, this is the coming of the king. Let's, let's, let's go over to Micah real quick. It's a couple down. Oh. So in the book of Micah, chapter 5, it says in verse 2, this is talking about where Jesus is going to be born at, where he's going to come from and descend out of. But he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathia, though you were little among thousands of Judah, yet you shall come, out of you shall come forth to me the one, the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that he was in, he, who is in labor has given birth. The remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, uh, the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He shall be great. So everything that points toward Jesus that we read about is a king coming. Somebody coming. Somebody that's amazing and awesome and wonderful, which Jesus is. But it was totally different than what they had in mind. So they were celebrating Jesus for thousands of years. They just didn't know they were celebrating Jesus. They were celebrating a king. They were celebrating somebody they had never seen. They just read about and, and so they wanted these things. They wanted Jesus to come. They, well, they wanted the Messiah to come. They wanted Emmanuel to come. Because Jesus' first time he's ever mentioned is in Luke, 
that we read in the account when, when Gabriel tells Mary who to name, what to name Jesus. He said, you call him Jesus. So they don't mention his name, but they're worshiping and celebrating a Messiah that's coming. Somebody that's going to come down, set up a kingdom that they can all see, because we read all in the New Testament, that's what the religious leaders thought, right? It's like, where is your kingdom? Well, my kingdom's here. Well, I don't see no kingdom. So they thought they were going to have the biggest kingdom around, set up however huge you can think a, a castle should be. He would sit on his throne, have all these people around him, rich beyond measure. And But they wanted it physical. They wanted it here, just like we do. We want to see our riches. We want to see our things. We want to have all these things. And so they wanted it also. They, they were tired of being tread on. They were tired of being overtaken. And a lot of that was on them because they kept disobeying God. We know that. But they wanted that to be taken care of no matter what. They wanted to live and do just royally because they were the children of Israel. We want to live and do royally just because we're the children of God. And we will. And we do. But our home's not here. And that's what Jesus tried to get them to see. Our kingdom's in heaven with Him. Our eternity's in heaven with Him. Our riches are there with Him. Sure, He wants us to prosper on this earth. He wants us to do well. He wants us to live well. He wants us to have things and not, not be in poverty or want of, of things that we need in our life. But He wants us all to point toward Him and celebrate Him because He's done these things for us. Because He's given us the ability to use our hands and our minds to, to do the things that He's given us skills to do no matter what it is. And, and so He wants us to use those things that He's given us, but give all the glory and praise back to Him and bring it back to Him where it belongs and celebrate Him because without Him, none of this is possible. Without Him, we're just trying to struggle on our own and make it and do these things in our life which would always turn back wrong. We'll always turn back to the children of Israel looking for man for their support, for man for their needs, for man for all these things. It's always going to let them down. And He always tried to get them to say, God tried to get them to say, look to me, trust in me. I'm doing this for you. Just like the children of Israel when they was out in the wilderness for 40 years. Disobey God. God took care of them. Brought manna from heaven. You know, brought a, a cloud of dust where the Egyptians couldn't find them as soon as they left them, right? Part of the Red Sea. Done all these things. Gave them food when they needed it. Done all the stuff that they needed to take care of it. And finally God said, you know what? If you're of a certain age, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Even told Moses that. Moses the one that let them out of Egypt. Let them out of those things. And, and took them, taking them to the promised land. But because of disobedience, they wandered for 40 years. If you're, if you're wondering this morning and you're still struggling to see God in your life and let Him use you in your life because you're disobedient, you don't want to let it go, then you're in the wilderness and you see the promised land on the other side and you know it's right here. You know you're going to do is take a step of faith. And they looked at it for 40 years. They looked across that river for 40 years. Just looked at it. We look at God's promises across from us, but we don't want to do what we need to get to the other side. Because we don't want to fully submit our life. We don't want to fully, if I fully trust God, then, then what's that going to entail? What's He going to want me to do? If I celebrate Jesus, I'm supposed to, and celebrating Him includes fully trusting in God, fully committing and submitting our lives to Him each and every day that we wake up in this world. That's another promised day to us, another blessing to us, that we even breathe the next day. If we do all that, and we still just won't just take that step of faith a lot of times to see what He's got for us. Because we see everything right in front of us. And just like them, they saw the giants in the land, didn't they? They saw those giants that the, the twelve went and the ten come back and gave a bad report. And the two said, no, we can, take over, we can, we can overcome those giants in that land. And they said, nah, yeah, we'll just hold up. We'll just hold up a little bit. Because it was not going to be easy. The easiest thing we do in our life is when we come and say, God, forgive me of our sins. That's easy. That's the easy part. We, we try to make a big deal out of it. and People do. Well, I will, I'll ask God to come into my life and I'll start doing right when I do better. You're never going to do better. You've got to give your life to God now. And let Him come in. And through Him, these things can get better in your life. Through Him, we can take that step of faith and know whatever it is, we fully trust in Him. We fully believe in Him no matter what. In Isaiah chapter 7, 
verse 14. This is roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It's a long time. I don't like to wait seven minutes for God to answer my prayer. None of us do. So 700 years. And that's just what it said. I'm not a Bible scholar by no means or historian. I just, like, I just read stuff. So in verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, another sign. God was all about giving signs and words and prophecies back in those days. He's given it to us now. If you need a prophecy or a sign from God, it's right here. It's right here. And you know what it takes? It doesn't take some a prophet standing up and up here to tell you to read the Bible. If you need that, then I'm going to stand in the office of a prophet this morning and tell you to open the Word of God and read what He has for you today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and fully trust in Him. Okay, that that's as plain as it can get right there. They didn't have this back then, did they? They didn't have all this. They had some writings that they had put down, but they didn't have this Bible that we so luxuriously have today. And easy as we have, they didn't have that. So they had to trust what was written down from years ago, what was written down from 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 Moses and Abraham and all them. They had to trust that. And David and, and, and keep up with those, those writings and everything that, and it wasn't just as simple as it is now. He said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey shall he, he shall eat that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. He may know to throw all this other stuff out and choose the good. Choose the good. A virgin. And, and I'm sure in Isaiah's time, Isaiah was a, a great man of God. He saw, this is the same one that saw God high and lifted up in the temple, right? And his train filled the temple. And God chose him, handpicked him to go to speak to his children of Israel. But I'm sure when God told him this, and he said, as it's coming out of his mouth, he said, you're going to do what? Through who? And, and it's just one of those things that just, if we think about it long enough, you're like, this don't even make sense. There's nowhere, there's nowhere, there's a lot of places in this Bible that God does stuff that does not make sense in our logical mind. If you look at your own life and how God's brought you through things, it didn't make sense, did it? It didn't make sense a lot of times how He brought you out and brought you through things, but guess what? You're, you're here today. You're through those things. You're on the other side. If you're not on the other side yet, you're working to get to that other side. And, and so eventually, this promise, the promise of God taking you will come in your life. Just don't give up on that. Don't give up on your, your heart's not always going to be broken. Your, your people's not always going to do this or that in your life. You can still trust in God today that what He started a month, a year, two years ago will come to fruition when you don't give up. There was people throughout this Word that never gave up. They believed in a sign from God. They believed in those things and they kept trusting because if you read in the New Testament, all of the, 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 the religious leaders that tried to get Jesus and throw Him out because they were also looking for somebody else, wasn't they? They was not looking for somebody born in a manger from Nazareth. They even said nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Nothing can. But we know Jesus did. We know it talked about coming out of Bethlehem <coughs> where He was born at. Because he's in that lineage. So, prophecy after prophecy about a coming king. All these things that had to, that come about and just lined up. Lined up. You say, well, God can make anything happen. He can. Why do we lose that sight in our mind and our lives today? If we can say through reading this, He can make anything happen. When it happens in our life, we need to give all glory and honor and praise to God whether it's happened yet or not. We need to keep trusting and believing in Him. Because he, if he said it then, he's going to give him a sign. He's still giving signs today. And it all points back toward Jesus. Every one of the signs that he gives us today all points toward him. All points toward us giving our lives completely and totally to him and blocking everything else out that does not have to do with God in our life. Taking all those things and not letting them be front and center, but let God be front and center. Like we talked about last week, our focus is here and everything else is blurred. Looking to Him, the author and the finisher of our salvation, of our faith. So we're looking for that coming King. This is goofy. So, you just have to hang on. This is where my mind went when I'm talking about heroes. 
And so being a product of, I mean, I was born in 79, so I, I do know some 80 songs, okay? And there's older people in here. And it's crazy to hear these younger kids sing the songs that were popular when I was a kid and a teenager, and they think it's just awesome. It's like, what? knew that 30 years ago. Anybody remember the Bonnie Tyler song, I Need a Hero? So that's the song that popped in my head the whole time I'm studying this text. Hey, it's going to play it. Look at that. I don't know what. I didn't say play anything. I don't know what it's doing. Hey, hey. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do there. Siri, stop. Stop. That wasn't even the song I was talking about. Hey, the party started. Let me turn my phone off. It's going to keep playing. Y'all ready to get a party started? Amen. Woo! All right, y'all are awake. It's good. Somebody asked me the other day, do you ever get nervous up there? No, not till crap like that happens. Lose my thought. Where I was at. Golly. Technology, you got to love it. got to love it. Mm. I know, yeah, I need to have... Ron or Mark's phone up here. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and start texting now. And by the time we're through church, you can be done with it. After you. Yeah. <laughs> or Bill, I forgot you got to. Just leave it at home. There you go. That would be good too. All right. So. A Bonnie Tyler song, yeah, holding out for a hero, right? That's what they're holding out for. And it's, it's in a lot of movies you see of superheroes. And so they were holding out for a hero, wasn't they? We're all still holding out for a hero in our life. Holding out for that. And if you know Jesus, it's got, well, you know the hero in your life. That's already come true. And that's already come true in your life that you know the hero. They didn't know him back then. They didn't know who he was, where he was coming from, what he's going to do. They just believed and read these signs. And so the religious leaders, they had read and heard over and over and over about a coming king. Over And, and at that time when, when Jesus was around, we know that they were ruled by the Romans and, 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 and put in distress and different things by them because they were, because Israel disobeyed and they were overtaken by the Roman army, the Roman Empire. But they were holding out for that hero. They just didn't want it to be Jesus. We're holding out for things in our life, but because we want them in a certain way, in a certain fashion, in a certain mode, in a certain time frame, when God does them or wants to do them, that's not it. That's not what God's really doing. We want Him to do something else in our time, in our way, and and the way we think about it. But none of this was ever brought about in a logical way. If we look at the lineage of Christ and, and who all was in that lineage and what they've done. And, you know, there was a prostitute. There was all these people that God used in this lineage that He's going to bring Jesus through, right? Nobody that we read about was perfect. Come out of David. But David was a great man. He said, I'm a, he's a man after God's own heart. But yet we know David was still dealt with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, didn't he? And fell victim to those things in his life. And his children fell victim to those things in their life. But yet God still brought Jesus through that lineage to unperfect people. Because he knew nobody on this earth was perfect at this time until Jesus came. And that was the only perfect person that there was ever going to be that walked the face of this earth. And so nothing that he ever done was logical. But we know that Jesus, when he came, no matter what they thought they were looking for, who they were looking for, was going to be... The one that was going to be the Savior of this world. And, and so, as we, as we go on through this time, as we look and as we read in Micah chapter 5, that little town of Bethlehem, and we sing about it, oh, little town of Bethlehem, the Christmas song every year. And out of the, he said, you are the smallest. Back in Micah chapter 5, I don't know if y'all are still there or not, but he said, you are the smallest among thousands. The smallest. And what I got from that, if you think you're Minute this morning, if you think you're just a nobody in this life, in the body of Christ, guess what? There's a, you're in the body of Christ, right? You're there. And what you think about yourself is kind of minute. It's all about what God thinks about you. And He says you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus done for us. 
Because you've given your life to Him. So stop thinking yourself that you're just, well, I'm just like Bethlehem. I'm just, I'm just small among all these other people. I'm not up there, I'm not up there preaching. I'm not up there doing this. I, I can't sing. I can't do anything else. But guess what? You can worship and praise God. You have a voice. And you're a disciple. And He told all of us that have accepted Him to be His disciples. Then that means we, we are, you are, still in full-time ministry. I, I say that I'm bivocational because I work a full-time job and do this. But guess what? I'm still in full-time ministry for Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God this morning, whether you think about it or not, you're in full-time ministry. Everywhere you go, everything that you do should all celebrate Jesus out of your life. So every, everything should point toward Him. Everything you say, every, everything that you watch should all point back toward Jesus. The, the bracelet that was out when I was a teenager. And it's still out today, amazingly. WWJD, what would Jesus do? You remember that, don't you? And you probably had one, didn't you? I'm sure. I did too. But you see that now. You see those things and you think back to that. Well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, He wouldn't bless somebody out. He wouldn't say that to that person. He wouldn't get mad in this situation. He would, he would ask God for wisdom and the advice that He needs to say the things that he needs to say and say it with love. And guess who still works on that? This guy. Every day. Every day. So, he said, you're going to come out of this land, out of Bethlehem. And he's going to be the ruler of all Israel. And I love this in the last of verse 4. He said, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and his majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He's still great. We still abide in him. Jesus talked about it in John. He said, you abide in the vine, right? Abide in the vine. We can't do nothing on our own in the kingdom of God. We've always got to go through him. We always got to abide and trust in him no matter what and celebrate him out of our life. We're going, I'm going to end with this and we're going to talk about it more next week. In the book of Luke chapter 1, in verse 26. Because of all these that we read about, the signs that were given to, this one was actually happening to, right, Mary. Mary, this was actually happening to Mary. To just a person that God had picked out through the ages and said, I'm going to use her. I'm using her. And women back then, if, if women think that they have it bad today, it was nothing like they had it back then. They were looked down on. They, they were, you know, second race almost. You know, they just, you know, they, they didn't, and, and they didn't even trust what they said. So if they said something, they'd be like, eh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Let it come from a man and I'll believe it. That's how bad they was. I mean, it was bad. So God said back then, you know, well, we won't get in. So he said in, in verse 26 of chapter 1. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. All important stuff. Mary was not from the house of David, was she? Mary wasn't even from that lineage originally. She was married into it. Joseph was from the lineage of David. Joseph was from the lineage that God said, I'm going to bring the Messiah through this, through this lineage. So in God's unorthodox way, He used somebody that was just engaged to a person in that lineage, not Mary. Mary was not in that. Mary was engaged. God promised her before she ever married Joseph, didn't He? And, and so he, He's using some another unorthodox way to bring... God, Jesus, into this world, a virgin named Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. We could preach a whole sermon on that. Just that verse right there. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. We all would be there. We're like, what in the world is this person talking about? If you had had an angel come to you, and say, this is what you're going to do, what God expects you to do. You're going to bring the Savior of the world through you. Everybody, all the women in here would be like, no. No. I know what I've done in my life. And it doesn't say in here that Mary was a perfect person, does it? It doesn't say in here she never done anything wrong. She, she, never, she never committed a sin. She never done any of that. 
God didn't look at that, just like He doesn't look at you for your past. But He used her, and she's like, okay. And at first she questioned, just like we all would. And He said, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Favor with God. We're still finding favor with God every day. You're finding favor with God. You have favor with God Almighty today. You have His favor on your life. Jesus is Lord of your life. Guess what? You have favor with Him today. It doesn't matter about yesterday. It doesn't matter about tomorrow. Right now you have favor. So guess what? Tomorrow you're going to have favor also. The next day you're going to have favor also. So Mary realized that she had favor with God. She's like, what in the world? I've heard about this and read about this all my life. I was, and she, she couldn't even go to the school like the men could to learn about the Torah. To learn about the old things in her life. So she just had to hear second hand of things that happened. And she couldn't even read them. They wouldn't even let them back then. They didn't want them educated. They didn't want women educated to this point. And, and so she, God came to her through Gabriel and said, you are highly favored. He said, you shall conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and here it is, and shall call his name Jesus. The one that's been prophesied about for thousands of years, you're going to bring him forth out of you. And, and of course, the logical thing is, how can this be? And let us just finish reading. He said, he will be great, he'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have not known a man? How can it be? How can it be? Guess what? It's another unlogical way that Jesus is going to be born in this earth. Another unlogical way. It's going to use somebody that said, all right, God, use me. And Mary could have, could have easily said like a lot of us would do when it comes to something as big as this that God wanted us to do. No, God, use somebody else. I'm not good enough. It's, it's that, that situation goes on in our lives all the time. God wants you to do something simple just as witness to somebody or pray for somebody or do something for somebody else besides yourself for a change and, and worship and praise Him. And we go, ah, I just, I'm not bold enough to do that. I'm not bold enough. I don't, I don't think I can articulate like somebody else. I can't get my point across like somebody else. So they're not going to believe me. You're not going to be ridiculed like she was. She was about to be looked down on and thrown out of the village almost because she wasn't even married and now she's pregnant. Right? You're not there. None of us is there. But yet we reject the call of God in our life every day because we don't want to walk and, and do the things that's going to be hard. Nobody that, that we know has had it as hard as her. Sure, we've bad things have happened in our life, but guess what? God was with us. God's not asking you to carry the Savior of the world. He's not asking you to, to, uh, to do all these things you're going to be ridiculed. He is in a way because this world's always going to ridicule us for what we believe. No other religion on this earth through, through the sands of time has been ridiculed and persecuted like the church. No other. Why? Because the devil doesn't want it here. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you believing. He don't mind that you're here at church this morning. That's just, well, it's a thing to do. But he don't want you, hey, they actually got it. They got something today. And their faith was stronger today and built up. And guess what? Tomorrow your faith is stronger tomorrow than it is today. And you can go out and, and bruise that head again. And he's going to be like, my goodness, they got something today. When are we going to do that? Instead of being our comfortable Christian life and be like Mary and say, okay, God, use me. Use me. She said, let's read on. Then that Mary said to the angel, or Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I do not know a man. The angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, we know this is John's mother, was also conceived a son in her old age and, and now is in six months of her who was called barren for with God nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Anytime you think that it's impossible in your life, you don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to get over it. You don't know how you're going to deal with it. With God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, she didn't make excuses. She didn't say, use somebody else. She didn't say, I, I think you've got the wrong person. 
you know, God, you're not talking to me. She didn't rebuke the angel and tell him to go away. It's amazing enough to know that she even realized he was the angel of God. Would we realize that the angel of God is standing in front of us talking to us if he was right here talking to us? I've never had that happen. I don't know. I don't know of anybody that's ever had somebody say, well, I had an angel talk to me today. Come in human form. Gabriel, I don't believe he was a spirit because we read this in the Old Testament a lot when, when Moses and Abraham and stuff, especially Abraham when he had the angels come to him. And, and so they were in men. They were, looked like men just like when they went to Lot and was trying to rescue Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and all these things. I believe he come to him and she recognized him through God opening her eyes to what he really was. I said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. According to his word. According to whose word? The doctor's word? The somebody else's word? No, the word of the Lord. According to what God had told her. According to that. She said, let it be. Let it be to me. And that's where we're going to leave off today. Let it be in our life as God's called us to be. When we fully commit our life and quit playing in this Christian world, in this Christian life, in this church life, and quit playing church, and quit playing a religion, quit playing a name on the door, all this other stuff, and fully let it be in our life as God said. What has God said? That we fully commit our lives to Him. That we fully see in our minds who He's called us to be each and every day. That He's fully said, and we fully believe what He says back in the, even the Old Testament, that you are above and not beneath, right? You shall, you shall be above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. And, and so we fully understand that the power working within us, we can overcome anything in our life, no matter how hard it is. We can overcome these things through the Word of this right here, through this right here, through the Word of His testimony, the blood of the Lamb, the one that we're going to celebrate, and we do celebrate Jesus as the Lamb of God, the one on the most, the most highest, the one sitting at the right hand of God. We celebrate Him today. Celebrate Him not only today, tomorrow, every day of the week. Don't let these things you hear today just kind of slide by and say, oh, well, you know, He's just, He's just preaching. He says, yeah, I'm preaching the Word of God, what God's told me to do. Because guess what? Almost a year ago, when, when, or well, it's been longer than that now, when I said, all right, this is what we'll do, I, didn't, I could have been opposite of what Mary said and say, okay, God, do what you need to do. I could have rejected that. Could have rejected that. You could have rejected the voice of the Lord this year. And, and you could have rejected the voice of God today and said, hey, go be at my house today. There's something for you today. There's some word that you need to hear. And, and you, but you didn't. You're here. There's no difference in the calling of what God's called us to do. We just got to do what He's called us to do. That's what we got to get to. Quit looking at the level of it and the status and a name and a position and all this other stuff. Looking at that and just worry about and concentrate on doing what God's called us to do every day. And the more we do that, the more we'll be blessed. The more we do that, the more our faith will grow. The more we do that, then the things of this life will go strangely dim. And we can see Him and concentrate on Him for who He is and all His glory and all His power. Amen. See, I'll stand this morning. If you're here today and you're just as we said earlier, you're just playing this Christian life. You've not even gotten to that point. You're just dabbling and coming to church to appease somebody or, or coming here to, so nobody or somebody won't say something to you or you can say tomorrow, I went to church yesterday, but then you act like a heathen the rest of the time. It didn't do anything today. Stop playing. Stop, stop toying around with God. Stop toying around with what Jesus done for you in your life. And fully commit yourself to Him. And it starts by asking Him to be Lord of your life. Asking Him, God, forgive me my sins. I repent and I turn and come to You as I need to. If that's You this morning, then we want to pray. We want to believe God with You that He is Lord of your life. As we say every week, today is the day of salvation. There's no need to wait till tomorrow. Because we know tomorrow is not promised to us. We know that. And we need to give our lives to Him. If you're here and you've walked away in your relationship with Him and need to come back, then today is the day to repent and come back to Him. 
and come become back in that right relationship and right standing with Him as we need to be. So as the music plays this morning, let God, let the Holy Spirit minister to you and, and work in your life and fully <laughs> let Him do what He wants to do this morning.